I don't know how you say it in English, actually, to be honest, but I'm sure it's like Ruin Naranda, probably something like that. It's like it was an eight hour drive from Montreal, and、uh, here we are. Is this just for pleasure? No, <laughs> my boyfriend、uh, is like has three shows right now up in this area. So I was、uh, singing with him and playing guitar on some of the songs. And、uh, so last night was the first show, and then we have tonight off, and then tomorrow in a place called Val d'Or. Like Valdor, and、um, the last show is in a place called La Salle. So,、uh, and then we go back to Montreal, pick up his dog, and then we drive another ten hours. So it'll be eight hours back to his house, then ten hours to my house after. How big are the shows up there? Do a lot of people come out? My boyfriend, who has like an established career here in this province in particular, because he's he's Quebecois and he sings in French, and he's his show situation in this province in particular is different than mine because. He's used to playing here, and people know him, and they can range. I don't know what the size is like typically, but like I mean, depending if it's a festival or whatever, it can be anywhere from like a hundred people to four hundred or five hundred, whatever. Like the I don't really know actually, but I will say that like in Quebec, it's got a very good scene for the Quebec musicians here because I sing mostly in English. I haven't really explored a lot of the francophone regions here, so other than Montreal, Quebec City, and. A few other places, like I haven't really played that much as my project, so、um, my shows are a little different. Montreal, I usually play. I think I, I would be comfortable saying like a two hundred capacity for me is good, is nice. Like I, I like, but it's been a while. Like I don't know what my last one was. I can't remember very much of the last since before the last year and a half. And then now the shows are picking up again here.、Um, They started like at quarter of the capacity, and then now it's like half capacity. It's going back up slowly. There's obviously different size venues. I just don't know that much about the regions. You're fairly well known in Canada generally, but is is Montreal almost like entering a new country?、Uh, well, I wouldn't say Montreal, the city. The city is like not so drastic, I, but I think that when you leave Montreal and you go into other regions of Quebec, it definitely feels、uh, it has a different. I find. I mean, some people might say I'm wrong.、Uh, I feel like it's different than the rest of Canada. But I find, as I've toured Canada for years, I do find that depending on where you are, it feels different. Like the West Coast feels different than the East Coast. Like ever, so like it's not that it's not that crazy to think that Quebec, because of the nature of that province and and like how I I think like the Francophone Quebecois people are, you know, they. They have a different thing going on than like Anglophone West Coast.、Uh, well, actually, you know, there's parts of Canada that maybe have the same concerns as like a lot of people in Quebec. You know, in terms of what they do out there and preserving, you know, their cultures and stuff. So I don't really know. I don't know enough about it, but I, I do find that it does sometimes feel like different areas that you go into in Quebec. Do I do feel definitely a little bit of a difference than? When I'm home, but I, again, I feel a little bit different when I go from New Brunswick to Nova Scotia. So I think I notice a little difference actually now, but I don't know why, and I don't know if that's actually valid. Like it's ultimately, it's all the kinds. Like the only place that in Quebec where you really notice, like、oh, okay, is like when you go into old Quebec City and old Montreal. Like it obviously has a more European vibe, you know, because it was built a long time ago, and the buildings, the architecture is really noticeably different. So there's that. Physical aspect, but but yeah, I, I do enjoy touring in Quebec. Like I find a lot of people make like it's like really、um, like the people are really really 
friendly and they make a lot of jokes and people like to talk. It's like really like, it's nice. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a little different. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of if there would be an analog in the States, you know, of being sort of like known, uh, like a known quantity in the country, but they're just being like a, a strip of it where it's just, you know, almost like, again, like a foreign country. Well, I will say that the Quebec, like, I do find that there is an industry here in terms of like, especially the Francophone artists and maybe even the Anglophone ones, like the industry in Quebec is really, um, they're really, really supportive of the art. And so theater and, you know, film and music and dance. And so I do find there's a lot of funding and you do see that that is a really nice thing, I think, for all the artists. So that I do find that has a lot of support. I mean, Canada in general also yeah, does. Yeah, I was going like, to say, yeah. Compared to the States, certainly in terms, you know, you, like you've got CanCon there is, is, is part of it. But then beyond that, just, just the fact that you have grants for the arts makes you completely different than the U.S. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've sung in French before. Yeah, I do. I, I, I have, you know, I put out an album in French like in 2001, but I've also put, uh, like I've, I, have put like random French songs throughout the years on, on a different certain albums. And I actually have been writing right now. I was just going over, I'm working on, I have three on the go. I'm trying to put together maybe an EP in French, hopefully more than an EP. But right now I have three that are pretty well almost done. And then, uh, so then that's, that's kind of a newer project that I just started like, um, I really want to get that done. Yeah. So I have sung in French and, you know, when I sing with my boyfriend, it's all in French and, and uh, we, we made an album during part of the sort of the lockdown period where, uh, or the confinement period and uh, where uh, it's coming out in April. And so it's half, half, like half in French, half in English, but it's a duo. So it's like both of us are singing throughout, but um, yeah. So there's definitely, that's a strong, desire for me is to sing more in French moving forward for sure like to keep it kind of equal performing with him is that part of what influenced you to put out the CP well you know I think a little bit uh it's partly that also partly right now uh I finally I'm living in a francophone I'm living in like a French village like a Acadian an Acadian village like which is like 20 minutes from where I grew up um I grew up in a city that was like 40 percent francophone and 60% anglophone but and then so I have a house now 20 minutes from there and I think when I moved there I started speaking French all the time everywhere I was going like in the town and my neighbors and stuff and I also work part-time at a swimming pool as a lifeguard um, and in the town called Dieppe and it's French and so everyone I speak to it well there are Anglophones who come to the pool, but most of the time it's in French and all my bosses and my staff are all in French that I work with. I started just talking in French all the time and I started listening to a lot of like Radio Canada, which is the CBC, it's the French CBC. Now that I, and my boyfriend's totally French, like he only really started speaking English when he met me or he didn't before. Yeah. So I think because I speak so much French now and I think now I'm just really, I really have a desire to like make more recordings in French which I always did before, but I would inevitably write more in English because I would have a partner that was Anglophone and I'd speak more English around the house than that. And now I'm, I'm doing the opposite. So <laughs> I think also just like, I really like singing in both languages. So 
that day to day, it's those conversations that you're having that have a really heavy influence on on lyric writing. I honestly think that's where it's coming from. I don't like to use the word honestly because everything I'm saying should be honest. <laughs> I think it is influenced by my day to day. And my daughter goes to school in French too. So all the emails and interactions are all in French. So I think because I'm listening to so much French radio and French music and I'm I'm really just want to sing more. And also because I was singing in my boyfriend's band before the pandemic or just before and uh, it was all in French and I just kind of want to do more of that. But it's pretty genuine desire. It's not like a, I think it's just coming out of like the fact that it's influenced by my day to day, as you said. When you say singing in his band, you mean you're not playing any instruments? Yeah. So he, well, he has a, like his project's called Danny Placard and he's, he's, he started out kind of more in folk and then he started to move a little bit more like, I guess, rock, if you will. And then like the last few records he's made were a little more like on the psychedelic side. And the band for that was like, you know, pretty big band and, and uh, with keyboards and like all keyboards from pre 1972 kind of thing. And like just that, our keyboard player in that band is amazing. analog synthesizers. Well, yeah. Like whatever Leon has going on. I haven't like, he's got stuff that I don't necessarily understand what it all is. And uh yeah, in, in that project, I just sing and play tambourine and shakers. I love it. I love it. It's, you know, I, I that was something I've always had this fantasy or dream of like being a backing back background singer. And so I really enjoy doing this. And then right now we're here doing three shows just up in the north. And I'm singing, but also accompanying on guitar for that. It's just as a duo. So just because not everyone was available to do the show. So we, he was going to do it solo in it. So I am playing guitar in that. But I, I've, I've often dreamed of just singing without an instrument. I mean, I love playing guitar, but. I had Mary Clayton on the show. Obviously, you know, she, she's put out her own records, but is best known as a, as a backup singer. And it, it's not really something that exists that much anymore seems to i guess unless you're the rolling stones or something there are probably aren't right. that many opportunities to just be singing with somebody on stage yeah i mean i think there's a few bands i don't know about everyone but i i do find lately i've been noticing in canada like where, where there's room i have been seeing like i just saw footage of some friends the other day and they had two women singing uh on stage and so did, like bahamas was doing that for also and i I feel like Weather Station had maybe the same two singers on stage with it, like at one point, but I'm not sure I could be, I feel like I remember that happening. And and I think that, I don't know, I think that it's something that comes in maybe some, if there's budget that allows or space or maybe more bands are exploring it, like not, not necessarily huge bands, but, but I honestly don't know. I haven't even really thought about that that much lately. Like, I haven't thought about anything, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like my brain has just been like, Phew. I, I wrote someone an email the other day. I was like, had to answer something and I had to like make a decision on something. And I said that it seems like my brain is full and empty all at the same time. Like I can't, like it seems too full to focus on anything. It's too full to gain any additional information. Yeah. And I also can't go deep. Like if I'm trying to make a decision on a subject matter to talk about. And so it's like, I can't even like, if somebody asks me to pick like my 10, like influential albums or 10 or like, for example, I was just asked to come up with like 10 or 12 songs that I want to like, that I've been listening to or whatever. And like, just trying to go back and in, into that, area and be like well what is some of the music that it means a lot to me like I can't 
It just goes. Poop. I, I always have that problem, though. It's not just a pandemic thing. I can never answer that question when people either ask me like my all-time favorites or what I've been listening to lately. I will agree that that's a lot of pressure. I'm terrible. Like when you're doing a radio interview and somebody says like, or some interview where it's live, I should say, I find that really all those like, would you? What would be your desert island pick or whatever? And you're like, <laughs> I think you feel obligated to have the exact best answer at that moment and not. The minute you leave the radio station, regret not having picked something else. Definitely. Definitely. I also feel like I have a really terrible time with commitment in general. So when, when, uh, like the idea of committing to like, like getting married would be like a hard one, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, uh, committing to that being the song that I would take with me as the only thing I could listen to for, or I could be like, as though this were a real thing that could actually happen. I know. I'd be like, oh, I didn't mean that one. I meant, oh, the one that I would really <laughs> like. Just like one day, one day into your desert island stay, just completely regretting your decision. <laughs> yeah, that would be me for sure. <laughs> oh, well. You've got an incredibly distinctive voice. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you that. When you're singing backup or, or in that, kind of configuration are you able to be yourself or do you need to kind of perform that's a good question so there's some moments where like let's say it's featuring more like a duet singing then i can bring more my own character personality to it when i'm just singing like oz or ooze or whatever i find that really challenging because i try to blend my voice in more and take the character out so that it's not about me but that it's just filling the space of the you know of that instrument or the notes or whatever and that's interesting because I, I would say that maybe I'm not the best person for doing backing vocals when it comes to that because because I don't have like a super strong, stable voice in general. Like I'm not the health, like my vocal cords aren't the healthiest. So if I get all excited and the band is really loud and I'm not concentrating on like uh, singing with like support, diaphragm support, or if I, if I start singing into my vocal cords instead of like my resonant voice, which I only learned about in the last few years because I blew out my vocal cords over years of misuse kind of. I find if I get excited, then then I'm not very professional. Like I have to like be really careful. I can't talk before the show. And when I'm on tour with a band, if I'm doing that job, but if I'm just like singing, like like if I'm singing in a, pro- a quiet project and it's like just two voices singing, I'll, like for example, if I'm touring with Mount Erie, like if I'm singing along with him, then I could just be my voice. And uh, although I will say when I sing with him, I also try to blend my voice a bit with his and make it sound more like a, I find his voice, Phil of Mount Erie, I find his voice always reminds me of like, of like wood or something. Like it reminds me of like trees somehow. So I try to like make my voice sound more like, like something that would be found in nature and less like because sometimes when I hear my own voice singing like on my own songs I think oh it sounds so whiny <laughs> like why does it sound so whiny and that's what but then when I sing like with someone like Phil I try to really like, my voice tone just becomes different different and I think at first it was subconscious but then I became I noticed like oh okay I'm really singing a little differently when I sing with him and so I think I do change depending on who I'm singing with but I will say that when I'm singing in a band and just doing backing vocals that are like just notes, I find I try to blend in more. I don't want to take the. It's not about me in that moment. It's not. It's not about me ever. Probably <laughs> I should just. <laughs> well, that's kind of the thing with 
Phil, I mean, I was I was listening to the two albums that the two of you put out and was thinking about probably, I don't want to say the challenge, but something that you have to be very mindful of when singing with him specifically is he's a pretty quiet singer and you have to not overpower him. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I think that I love about singing with Phil as well, because it allows me to have a more... I can play more with the silences or the quiet tones. And, and I find I'm kind of at my best when I don't have to push my voice as much in a volume way. So I, I, I actually really love that of singing those types of songs in that way with that tone. Now, when you say blew out your vocal cords, is that a temporary thing? No, I don't think it's, I think it's, I think it has the potential to be temporary. And I think it has the potential to get worse depending on how I behave. I think, so I, I will admit that off and on throughout my adult life, I did smoke cigarettes and then stop and start and stop. I, and I say it hesitantly because I always hid it from my family, but now all my children know I've, we've talked about it. They know that I have that past. So now I can be honest about it. How does that come? That's almost like confessional. Is is that in attempting to tell them not to smoke, you admit that you have smoked? I, it was more like, a, I don't even know why we start talking about it. And I talked about it differently at different times with each child. But I mean, two, three of my kids are adults now. So that, and then my youngest is eight. So, so it happened you know, off and on, but I didn't smoke my first cigarette till I was like 26. So like, it's ridiculous that I ever started. And it was something that happened on tour, like after a show for fun, you know? So I never smoked at home. I would go back home and stop. So I, I did this thing where I was constantly really messing with my vocal cords. Also, I never really properly learned how to sing anyway. Like, and I was singing like when I was in Eric's trip, sometimes really loud. And really, and so I never learned how to actually have the proper support to do it properly. And so I think through a result of like starting smoking and stopping smoking, sometimes I would stop for two years and then I would go back on tour and smoke, depending on who the musicians were, then I would smoke. If there was no smokers around that I would not smoke. And then the minute like after you smoke like three days in a row, then I would lose, I would, my voice would be a mess or it would be cooler. Sometimes it sounds better, <laughs> which is also difficult to accept. Yeah. In terms of health. But now, uh, so then what happened was I quit and I, uh, about a year and a half after I quit, when I knew I was done, done, I uh, went to see my doctor and cause it was bad. Like I was losing my voice on every tour, regardless of whether I was smoking or not. And, and uh, they, they sent me to like a speech therapist to teach me how to just talk again. Like right now I'm not talking properly. Like right now I'm talking in my vocal cords. I'm not using my res. I'm not using my resonant voice. I should be, but I'm, I just a little tired. So I don't. And also the thing that goes along with touring, like if you're up really late, uh, if you drink alcohol, then you're drinking, you're talking after the show, you're selling merch. You're like, depending on how loud the house music is after where you're, pl- then you're, speaking over that to sell the records or, you know, talk to people. And it's really easy to lose your, your voice or me anyway. And so, and there's a bunch of other things like coffee is bad for your voice, like all these things that like the vocal hygiene is something that a lot of people don't learn about till after they need to learn till the damage is done. So, but I, but when I sleep well and I take care of myself and I'm healthy, then my voice is great. It's really easy to sing on tour on a regular basis without worrying. So I know what I have to do to maintain that. I just have to make sure that I actually do it. And that's the fun part. I've never really 
considered that there was a proper way to speak. I mean, I say this as somebody who at least for part of my job speaks for a living. Is it sort of, is it like using your diaphragm the way they teach you? Yeah, I think that's, that goes into it, but it's also like speaking. So you you want to be speaking up in here and not all in here. And you're, yeah. So you'll notice sometimes when you hear people talking, it's very relaxed. Like they're, they're speaking. Well, you, you have, like, we, we spent a lot of time just learning how to go say M sounds like, and then you can really hear the resonance and the vibration up in your nose and cheeks instead of like all in here you'll still feel some there but yeah it's interesting because uh sometimes now when I listen to people talking on audio you really notice a difference I I can hear it I'm not very good at doing it like when I get because I grew up in a family where I'm always talking like you know yelling from room to room and so I just um I'm not a natural at it. I get the sense that you had this almost lost boys entry into music. There's that Steve Malcolmist song where he's, you know, he's like singing about pavement at, at age 18, kidnapped by Turkish pirates, that song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is like, I mean, not not completely <laughs> dissimilar from your situation of having joined this band at, at 18. And and I guess like, mm-hmm. how serious were you about music when that all came through? Oh, I, oh yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I loved, I loved music and I, you know, from when I was a kid, I wanted to be a singer. That's what I used to tell people. And then I obviously grew out of it a little bit. And then I went back to it. And then I grew out like, but um, when, when, when I was in a band at 18, we didn't plan on actually, when I say serious, to answer your question, because at first I thought I was, when I answered that, I was like, yeah, I was totally serious about it. But now when I think back, I actually, when we started the band, it was just for fun. It was just to jam in the basement. It was just like, we didn't think we were going to be putting out albums. I mean, how, how serious can you be at 18, really? Exactly. I was still living at home. So, how you know, I still was not planning on ever touring for sure. I was went to school for photography like I wasn't. Uh, so we we just jammed every like couple of nights a week in one of the guitar players parents basement for like the first two years before we had our first show, you know, so we didn't even plan on I don't think we had big expectations for that. If Sub Pop hadn't like offered us a record contract, I don't know that I mean, we we may have done a tour before we were on Sub Pop, but we were just starting like the tour. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I was that serious until after like when that band broke up. And I was like, well, what? Maybe I'll just keep doing music anyway. Like I didn't I wasn't planning on it, but I, I thought, well, I'll try. I, I don't know. Yeah. At 18, I guess I wasn't that serious. I wasn't I wasn't like, I'm going to make it big. I was just like, oh, I guess maybe I'll keep playing. So it sounds like you got kind of swept up in that, like the heady, heady 90s record label situation in that sort of, I guess, post Nirvana era when all these labels were kind of out trying yeah. to, to find the next big thing. Well, yeah. I think that's what happened. Yes, that was happening because they were like, there was a budget. Like I think Sub Pop was, was uh, they had, I think it was, they had already done their deal with, with Warner. So they had like a big, pretty big budget for like picking up new, new bands and yeah. artists. And They leased uh, Nirvana out to Geffen at that point. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, I don't know all the details, the fine details, but that was how I understood it. How many people in my life I encounter who have been doing the same thing for a living since they were 18? It's not too many. It's doubly funny that it was something that maybe you weren't super serious about to begin with. Oh gosh, you know, maybe that's why I, that maybe that's why I'm always a mess all the time. <laughs> maybe that's not what I was supposed to be doing with my life. <laughs> Well, I'm obviously not implying that. If anything, like it's it's probably easier to do it first when you're not serious about it. Well, it takes the edge off for sure when when you don't feel like you have to to have that huge success or like I was never looking for like a huge commercial success or anything. Like I 
I was just content if 25 people or even two people were at my show, depending on, because I, you know, as many musicians and independent or indie, like a lot of people have experienced, we've done many different styles of shows, like in people's living rooms and people's backyards and then random like shows like where you're playing like somewhere in the U S and there's four bands on the bill and 10 people are there and they split the door for a bit. You know, it's like, <laughs> like we've all like so many people have done those shows and then you're lucky to get, and then you get invited to open and you play in front of lots of people. And then you finally, sometimes you headline a tour that was well promoted and then there's people and then you headline another tour and there's no one because the shows, nobody knew you were coming. So like, there's so many different things that I've experienced and I'm always grateful for everyone. Cause sometimes even those shows where there's like one or two people and you, you're like, Oh, there's two people, but you played really well. And maybe one of those people is someone that you went on to like collaborate with down the road. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's all of them, I think are, are important. Like, you know, I've met people that, yeah, it shows that didn't have a lot of people, but then we ended up becoming friends, musical friends. And so I don't know, I have no regrets about that. And yeah, I think probably the reason I am still doing it was because I didn't have any pressure on me to like, like I never did any crazy, like there was no bidding wars over me or anything. Like I didn't, I didn't have that, like that necessity to, to bring, like, I didn't have to go into a studio with a hundred thousand dollar recording budget. You know, like I didn't have to like be pushed into a direction that I didn't want to be pushed or anything. Or I just kind of always made each record was the record I wanted to make. And maybe that is why I'm still doing it. I mean, to be, to add to that though, I will admit like, I mean, it has been nine, nine years since I put out a solo album. So I would, <laughs> so I would say I, I've been a little bit relaxed, more relaxed about it. There must be moments when, you know, it's like, I've been doing this for 20, 25, 30 years. And, and there's like two people in the audience and that must be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Well, that was, there was some phases definitely where it would be a little bit frustrating if you, if you didn't have any money or didn't have a credit card, like some tours like that were really hard. I did after a while, like I, up until the last Mount Erie tour, I hadn't, I hadn't toured in the U S since like 2010 or 11. So I did take like eight years off from touring in a place that I didn't have like a huge following in because, well, partly because I didn't have a booking agent. So I just, and also it was really difficult to, to fund the tours. If it was, yeah, sometimes it was hard. Any tour that I've done, like that, I had, but there were some great tours too, that were just like, okay, that was really cool. So, but I, I think most I didn't go because I just didn't have a booking agent. And after when I was no longer on Jag Jaguar, I didn't have anyone like they would facilitate my work permits as well. And so I honestly just kind of forget. I just kept forgetting to like get a work permit and then like get, so I just didn't even think to go. And then also because my last album was out in 2012 and it was just on a Canadian label and I didn't, I didn't have like an American team pushing me to go there. So I kind of just maybe forgot to tour. I was only touring in the territories that, that I had people like inviting me to come or so that's what was, it was really nice to tour in 2019 with Phil because it was nice to be back in a lot of the cities where I didn't know, like I had, I think I forget sometimes that I live off this, like that this is my <laughs> this kind is your job. <laughs> yeah. And then I think sometimes I forget like, Oh, I should go tour in that place. And also I have kids, I have children. So I wasn't like working super hard to try and like tour in every pocket of the continent. But then, but then, you know, you start working with somebody like Phil, who I assume has this like massive network just already in place. Well, and, and no, and now I think he actually might, I think he has a booking, he has a booking agent. So that makes it even better. And so the, the shows are really I, I toured with him before also 
when he used to book his own shows and they were uh, was always good. So I've never had a bad tour with Phil. So I'm really lucky for that. <laughs> does having kids, does that make you, does that force you to take it more seriously as a job? I find now that I'm a little bit older and that, so my youngest is eight right now. And uh, I, I did find that now, so maybe before I had her, like when my other kids were a little bit older than what she was for, like, you know, I think I was, I was actively planning more tours and seeking out more shows, partly because I, I, I needed to be working and, um, and because they were older. And so after I had my fourth child, like from t- in 2013, consciously chose to stop touring. I didn't want to put any records for a while. I stopped writing because I wanted to be at home. You want to be a mom. Yeah, I wanted to be a full-time mom. I wanted to be home. And so that's why I stopped. And I think that's also partly why I haven't been touring like in the States really a lot because I I thought if I was going to be going away from my children that I should just make sure that I know there's going to be some people at the shows and not just slug it out the way I did when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, which I loved. Like it was great, but um, it was also hard because I was away from my kids during those tours. And so when you're away from home and you're playing to 10 people, it's different. If I didn't have kids and I was like sing- single and had like had nothing to be home for, like other than like, you know, regular stuff, then I would have just toured all the time. I think because I do love touring and I love meeting people. I always stayed at people's houses. It was rare that I had hotel rooms back then. And even still, actually, this this situation is a little different because it's not my not my tour. <laughs> but maybe there might be uh, hotel rooms in the budget at some point. Uh, yeah, I love all of that. But I, I finally was like, didn't want to miss out on anything in this uh, my with my last child. Like when she was a baby, I definitely didn't go. I, I actually did go on my first tour when she was two two years and three months, I went to Switzerland for like two weeks or three weeks. And, uh, and that was really hard and weird. I mean, my other kids, I brought them on tour up until they started going to school. And so, and they were on some of those North American tours where there was like 10 people at shows. So that made it easier to do those ones. <laughs> it's always a bit of a misleading, you know, to, to say like, it's been nine years since the last solo record. Cause obviously. Oh yeah collaborations, but is she a part of the reason why it's been nine years since the last solo record? Yeah, like when I had her, I decided not to write anymore. You decided not to write anymore? At first, yeah, like she was born in 2013 and I didn't write any songs till 2016. And even in 2016, I only wrote two that are on the album. And then I started writing a lot more. uh, Well, that's not totally accurate because I did do a collaboration called Julie and the Wrong Guys that came out in 2017. It was a rock record. Yeah, and we wrote that album together in Manitoba. So I did write, I did go there and write all the lyrics, except maybe one song we wrote together because I was like lyrically drained after being a week trying to write lyrics. Um, but so yeah, I did, I did write in 2016 a li- little more than just two songs for that. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I tend to forget some of the stuff that I've worked on. Yeah. So no, I had decided that I needed a break from all that, and so I I, I chose to. Sp- make sure that I didn't write for a while. And then finally, start once I started, like in 2017, I really started writing and then it just kind of all started coming out, which, so maybe the break was a good idea. And I'm still writing, like I'm still writing pretty regularly now even. So I don't know if that's because of our current situation or because I just have a more, more coming out because, because I took such a break. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I have been, it is maybe 
even though there hasn't been a solo Julie Brown album out, or sorry, I should say it's not even really a solo album, but a name, an album under the name Julie Brown out in nine years, I still have been pretty busy like touring. I, I tour Europe almost every year. I, I was touring Mount Erie. I still tour Canada a lot or do lots of, usually if somebody invites me to go do a show, I usually say yes, if it's feasible. I talk, obviously talked to a lot of musicians for the podcast. I don't remember anyone ever telling me that they made a conscious decision to stop writing. Well, I had a newborn, so. <laughs> sure. I mean, but it's like, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm not going to tour, I'm not going to put out an album, but if for a lot of people writing, is just something that you not only can continue to do, but like, can't shut off. Yeah. Like, I think I just was like, I didn't know what I wanted to write about or what I wanted to say anymore. And so I think I, I just decided that I shouldn't try at that point and just like not force it. And I decided that it would be better if I just didn't. And it took the edge off of that, that feeling that you, you have to do it or usually though, but usually you're right. Like usually I sometimes if let's say I have a dry spell, like for a month or two where nothing is inspiring me to write, then sometimes I do just kind of pop out of that with like songs just shooting out, like, you know, and it's, so yeah, there is sometimes this like urge or desire or need to write, but I, yeah, no, I will say, I think I'm pretty sure I chose to just stop writing at that point. <laughs> the Mount Erie stuff that was all Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I don't collaborate on songwriting. He never asked me to collaborate on that. Although we have talked about collaborating in the future musically, but I still don't even think I would be songwriting. Obviously the, the band project that you mentioned before, that sounds like it was collaborative and that you were writing lyrics for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. their music. But as a rule, you generally aren't very collaborative in, in the songwriting aspect. Yeah. So, so that was my first time songwriting with people and I was, ter- I was terrified and they were my friends. Like, like they, like we started playing together in 2000. 13 or we did a show together it was like an unlikely fit it was like it was a festival and then the person doing the festival was like how about if you play with these guys as your backing band and it was like two members of a band called the cancer bats who are like a metal kind of hardcore band and and then my friend Eamon on guitar and uh Eamon McGrath it seemed like the kind of thing like oh that's so wild it just might work kind of idea you know so then we played we played together and it was super fun and really great and then we made like a 45 or seven inch and then the drummer like applied for funding for us to make a full length and we got the funding. And so when he reached out to me, he said, so we got this funding and we think that we should get together for a week in my, my grandparents cottage in Manitoba. And then we'll record it in Manitoba because the funding was through that province. And, stuff. and then he, he, but I was like, I don't have any songs. I haven't been writing. Like I don't have, he's like, it's cool. We're going to get together. We're going to write it together, you know, and they had been working on music and we did use like two of my older songs that I had written already. But so, yeah, I was terrified and he just made it seem like it was going to be so relaxed. Like, and they were so supportive. Like in the morning they would make breakfast. I would do yoga. I'd walk down to the lake. Sometimes I wrote songs in five minutes, like the music as well, like certain ones. Sometimes I, after I would like breakfast or do yoga, I would go like write lyrics in the, room sometimes we would jam and they would just kind of come up and I I was really really happy about that because it was so positive and so during so this record that I mentioned that I made with my partner which we did in April last year it was a similar thing where he would wake up in the morning and start you know make coffee and then he'd start recording just music and then he would be like okay so can you go like 
can you write the lyrics for this one? And I'd be like, oh, okay, guys, so go have a bath. And so I'd go in the bathtub and write the lyrics. Like I, I write, I do the bathtub is a kind of an important place for me. Like I, I do a lot of lyric writing in the bath or in the woods or uh, yeah, either out on a walk or a bike ride or in the bathtub seemingly. You mentioned that that, that record was done in a, a cottage. And I know that the new record, the solo record was recorded in a cabin in the woods. Well, I gotta, I might have to change that because I don't think it's so much a cabin. I don't remember saying it was a cabin, so maybe it got misunderstood, but it was definitely a house in the woods, a house near the woods. <laughs> I don't know what the sort of delineating factor is there. I know. I got to look into that bio. <laughs> yeah. It, w- it wasn't like an Abraham Lincoln situation, though. <laughs> That seems to be a theme, at least recently for you, and when it comes to either writing the lyrics or recording an album to send yourself off into the woods. Well, yeah. And also the, the Julie and Danny record that we that I was talking about that we just did that is also recorded in our house, so which is basically in the woods. <laughs> so you, you could not be in the woods if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I walk out there every day in, in our yard and it's like a pretty it just goes the crown land is like the trees are right behind our yard. So, um, so it's, it doesn't take much for me to get out there, but I usually go walk on trails that are nearby because I'm a little bit nervous in the woods behind our house. Cause there's like a lot of animals back there that I'm afraid to run into. <laughs> like, I don't want to run into a, one that can kill me, for example. <laughs> sure. You get some, some bears up there, I assume. Yeah, and the coyotes are really only at night, so I don't have to worry about. I don't. And coyotes are. I remember the first time I saw a coyote in person, and they're like they're small dogs. They're not super intimidating on their own. But I think they move around in packs. You know, you described Phil's voice as sounding like wood or sounding like a tree. That's what it feels like for me. Yeah, but I mean, that's another way that your music keeps bringing you back to the forest. It's true. Actually, that's a good point. That's interesting because usually I, I I am most inspired when I'm near the water, like when I'm swimming. Or when I'm, but a lot of the times I'm swimming in a lake that's surrounded by woods. So I guess it, it works still. <laughs> is, is a bath like a microcosm of that? I think, yeah, in my bath, I just pretend the shower curtain is trees, I guess. <laughs> You're also in a very small body of water. Yeah, but I make it really warm though. So that's the only difference, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like the pandemic was a big part of you writing this record. Well, the record, the newest, wait, the Julie Duran record? Yeah. Or, or or were you referring, you're referring to the EP? Well, the Julie Duran one was actually recorded just before the pandemic. So that one. So this is like way old hat for you to be talking about it now. Yeah, but it's because it's just coming out now. So it's like, we still want to talk. I still want to talk about it. But um, yeah, it was recorded in February, 2020, just before. It was supposed to come out in September last uh, last year. It was shelved because of the pandemic. We shelved it we, by choice, but then uh, we got to the point where we're like, okay, this is getting, we should just put it out. Like This fucking thing is never going to end. <laughs> it did start to feel like, what's, why are we waiting any longer? It's like, yeah, it's clear that we're not going to be able to tour the same way for a long time. So amazing. Because at first everybody was like, oh, well, we'll wait. A lot of bands did this and artists did this. We'll wait until we can actually tour for it. But then I think when people realized it was obvious that it wasn't just going to be a few months and it made sense to start releasing things again. Uh, yeah. And so I, but I, but the pandemic and the isolations, cause we, in the province I live in, we had, we had very strict rules and our, our border was closed to all the other provinces in Canada. 
but also, I, I mean, at one point when the cases were low, they opened, they made formed a bubble with the other maritime provinces, but still people coming from the west, west of our province, they couldn't get in, like no one from Quebec or anyone. So, and it opened up occasionally when the cases were good to people with second residences. So my boyfriend could come in then. They loosened the rules sometimes. So, but when he would come, we'd have to isolate for 14 days each time in our house. So we spent seven, we had seven isolation periods. So there was a lot of time to write and a lot of, yeah. And I, yeah, I guess I had just, I don't know, some, for some reason I was inspired. I don't know why. I don't, I've never understood where songs come from. I don't, I don't understand how they just, they just work their way out. And I have no idea. And I'm very grateful for it, but I can't, I'm, I don't even understand it. I found that everybody I've talked to, it's, it's one or the other, um, the pandemic, either they're more prolific than they've ever been, or it's just completely dried up. Yeah, I would fall into the more prolific. I've, I'm more prolific than I've been. Yeah. Is it going to be another nine years before we get another one? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, no, because uh, I'm already writing, like I already have like eight new songs and then I've got like these like three new French songs in the works. And so I have a feeling, unfortunately, I, it might be like, a, I might, I don't want to saturate my market, but I think there will be a few records out in the next little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're at risk for oversaturation at this point in your career. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. And you know what it doesn't, what does it really matter? I mean, does, it doesn't really matter if I think about like what my whether I put out too many or not enough records in the whole grand scheme of like what's going on in the, the world that's beyond like, like it's, it's okay. If I like, there's no, I don't have to put out a record. I think putting out music that brings people joy can only be a good thing in the end. I think that's a really great way to see that. And it's really, because I was, I was struggling this year where I was like, especially like on the days where I was watching or listening to democracy now every day for like, Three months. I had to stop listening to her to, at a certain point. I, it was too much. I had to stop too. I was like crying all the time and just be like, why are we making music? Like that? There's nothing like... You're not even an American either. And it's just, you're just hearing about all the horrible shit that we're doing over here. But it was also hearing about everything going on in the world and having it like, and, and being like more aware of it than ever because, because we were in lockdown, we had time to actually gather information and be aware of what was going on. And, and I think, which was a good thing, I think to be, to learn. It was, but this is what you were, this is what you're talking about for about your head being too full and not full enough. I mean, I was thinking about this that like, that's what your head is full of. It's full of all the news. It's, it's full of unactionable things. Right. And that, and that, and I really struggled with that and where I'd be walking in my, in the woods and just crying because I would be in this moment where I'd be like, what's the point anymore? Like I was having those kinds of where I was just like, I can't, I don't know what to do to help. I don't know how to like, I know there's nothing like I, and I was really feeling like putting all the, so much weight on my shoulders of actions that I couldn't, that with stuff that I couldn't change directly or like, you know, I was just feeling so anxious all the time, not knowing what to do or how to proceed and crying all the time for a while. And I just had to like, I had to take a break and uh, try to learn. And so then realizing that, yes, a lot of people like listening to music. And if I, if that can help, then that's, that's good. And that seems to be like my only skill. So, I mean, <laughs> I have other skills, but I don't know what I. That's your most marketable skill. <laughs> that's the one I'm most known for, let's say. 